Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. Till our family. Whew. Man, man, they're going to transition and roll out my stage. And while they're doing this, I'm just going to take this moment to just say thank you to the people every week who are showing up, helping making this whole stream happen. There's people right now, like in the right, like 30 feet in front of me. You can't see them, but I can see them. They're amazing. They're running the lights. They're making sure the sound's good. There's people in a room, like not even in this main room, but in another room here at the church who are making sure that everything's connecting good. There's people who I didn't even see them. They're already gone, but they just rolled my TV screen out right here. They rolled this chair out. We have so many people helping making all this thing happen. And then we just jump up here and it, it, you know, we have nothing to do with it. Like, I'm just like, wow, you guys are amazing. So thank you. Thank you to all of you. And thank you for everyone who's tuning in with us tonight. We're super excited. And I'm super excited because tonight we're, we're beginning this brand new series here at the living room called walk it like I talk it, walk it like I talk it. And this is a series where we're going to be journeying throughout the book of James. And we're going to be highlighting some major themes and sections of this book, of this letter, um, but we're obviously not going to be able to touch on every single verse, on every single part of the book of James. That would take like all semester long if we were to do that. But here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement is, would you maybe lean in, not just show up on Monday nights and hear all four parts of the series? I hope you do that. But would you lean in even further and say, hey, maybe over the next few weeks, you could read through the book of James. James is, is not that long. But you could maybe say, hey, I'm going to read a verse or two verses every single day. And I'm telling you, if you would take me up on that challenge and if you would do that, then what you're hearing on Monday nights, you'd hear it in a different way. Like, I don't, I can't really explain that, but you just would. It would come to life in a different kind of way. So that's my challenge. I'm going to be reading throughout the book of James throughout these next few weeks as well alongside you. And we would love to hear what you've been learning. Like, send us some DMs and let us know what stuck out to you. We're not doing like an official reading plan together or anything, but we'd love for you to just dive in, start reading through the book of James, start tonight in James chapter one, and uh, just see what God might speak to you. But hey, the book of James, the letter that James writes to these people, these Christians, his goal really was to challenge Christians to put action behind the faith that they professed. So James is saying, hey, listen, it's not enough to just say that you believe in, in God or Jesus. It's not enough to know the right answers. Like you have to, to live it out. There has to be action behind what you claim you believe, behind the words that you're saying. Essentially, what James was encouraging these people to do in this letter is he's saying, you need to begin to walk it like you talk it. I bet you never knew that, that Migos was in scripture, did you? And that's the last Migos reference I'm going to make because I said this before the night. Every time I make like a Migos reference and I went back and forth, I'm saying, well, I'm going to say that. I'm like, I'm probably not going to say that because I, I, I feel white when I say that. Just being honest with you, I do. I feel uh, like I'm about 30 years old because I turned 30 in a couple of months. And I just feel, I just feel like every time I say it, people like are just like, you know, <laughs> they just kind of laugh. I'm like, why are you laughing? They're like, Matt, because you, like you said Migos. Like you probably, I didn't even say it right, you know. But anyways, moving on, I won't make another Migos reference probably. I might, but um, also, side note, that is a popular song in our house right now. My daughter, she loves it. We just got to, you know, turn Alexa down when the explicit parts come. But anyways, back to, back to my point. James is writing this letter to describe what spiritual maturity really looks like. 
And I'm just gonna throw this out there as a fair warning to you, everybody tuning in. Um, James doesn't waste any time. It's why the book of James, the letter that James writes, it's not very long, it's just a few chapters because James just dives right in. Like, like James doesn't waste any time. Uh, if you read through the book of James, which I hope you will, uh, you're gonna be like, whoa, James, like, dang, man, chill. Can you set that up a little bit more? Like, you just came in hot. And throughout this series, and maybe even tonight, I might step on some toes as well, and I'm sorry in advance, but not really. But here's what I want you to know, and here's what James was really trying to get across, is that spiritual maturity is not just gained by knowledge absent from any action. Like spiritual maturity doesn't just come when you learn a whole bunch of things or you gain knowledge or like you have a whole bunch of pages in the Bible memorized. Like that's great, but that's not ultimately how you become spiritually mature. No, spiritual maturity comes when you begin to, to live it out, when you begin to walk it like we talk it. And that's what James was trying to get across. And if I could just be really honest with you for a second, I think that this is the perfect time for this series. Because over the past year, 2020, and even the beginning of this year, 2021, I think that so many people have maybe learned this about themselves, or maybe it's been revealed about people that they are lacking in spiritual maturity, myself being included. There are so many Jesus followers have learned, man, I, I'm maybe not quite as spiritually mature as I would have thought. Or maybe you've learned that about someone else. I, I thought they were more spiritually mature than that. So many of us have stopped owning our faith because we couldn't gather in the building anymore. And what we've realized is, man, I thought I was really spiritually mature, but my faith was kind of just based on the building, on the gathering. Like I was just coming every week and consuming and consuming and consuming, and I was really never feeding myself. And then gathering stopped happening because COVID. And it's like, wow, maybe I'm not quite as spiritually mature as I thought. There's been a heightened political climate, which has led a lot of people to fail to love and listen well. Instead, we just voice our opinions blatantly and we don't really care what other people think. Social justice for many people has just been minimized to, to one post on Instagram. Like when it comes to something like racism, man, I'm just gonna post one time and that's good, that's, that's enough. I, I don't need to do anything else, you know? People have become really good at weaponizing and bad at empathizing. And just a few weeks ago, People who claim to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ found it right and befitting to storm and raid our nation's capital, to pray inside the Capitol building. And yes, spiritual maturity is a lifelong process. It's a journey. But my worry is that many of us, and again, I'm, I'm not leaving myself out of this conversation, that many of us may not be journeying well. And so here's the challenge that I want to give to all of us right now, TLR, is this, may it not be so of us. May people, when they think about those people who go to the living room, those people who claim to be followers of Jesus, those people who show up week after week uh, on Monday nights here at the building or in, this, you know, in these circumstances week after week, those people who are tuning in and your roommate who's like, hey, can you turn it down a little bit? And you're like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm getting hit. Like Paul's leading me, Desi's going in, you know. Um, May they think, when they think about us, would they say, man, those people, they really live it out. 
TLR, let's journey well and let's walk it like we talk it. That's where I want us to go. And so as I really get started with this message tonight, um, I just want to tell you that this year, 2021, I know like we're already through the first month, so it's probably a little bit late to talk about goals. But um, the good news is I'm not going to tell you my goals because I really didn't set any goals this year. Usually I do. Usually I set a whole bunch of big goals. My wife could confirm this in the chat. She probably is right now already. Um, but usually I like set these like crazy unrealistic goals and then I don't meet them and I wonder why I don't meet them. So this year I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna do that. My only goal that I really set, which wasn't even really a goal, was that I just wanted this year, 2021, to, to look and feel different than last year. And there are some parts of that that I can't control, but I just said, you know what? I'm gonna just pick up a part that I can control. And I'm gonna say, hey, if something is gonna feel different, then I need to do something different. If I'm gonna see a change this year, then I need to be willing to make a change this year. So I just said, you know what? I'm gonna start with my own physical health. Like, I just wanna get in better habits, okay? I'm not gonna eat perfect. Like last year, I was like, January, I was like, oh, I'm doing a whole 30, you know, I'm never gonna eat ice cream again. And like, you know, it, didn't, it doesn't work. And so it might work for you, it didn't work for me. And so, but I'm like, I'm not gonna do that this year. But what I am gonna do is I'm just gonna make better decisions. I'm gonna get into better habits when it comes to exercising. And so I got this new trainer and his name's Sean T. Any of you know about Sean T? Maybe some of you, you know about my boy Sean T, okay? And I'm gonna be honest with you, Sean T is a great trainer, um, but Sean T, I, I don't really like him that much. And here's why I don't like him. Sean T, if you like are tuning in, which you're not, but if you are, like your nephew is a part of this ministry, here's why I don't like you that much, bro, because when the workout starts, I've never met Sean T. I watch him, I do Insanity Max 30, and I watch him on the screen, and Sean T, you start the workout, and you'll be like, come on, guys, let's warm up, and we start doing this, and you're like, I'm smiling, and, you, and then Sean T, you start talking in third person, like you do. You'll say, hey, you know why Sean T is smiling? Because Sean T knows it's gonna hurt, and I'm like, then why are you smiling? That doesn't make any set, Shanti. But then you go on and you're like, here's why I'm smiling because it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt, which means it's working. And I get so angry. I'm like, Shanti, stop, bro. But then you go on and you're like, hey, listen, if you're hurting, you know, it's working. Keep going. If you push yourself to the max, you will see results. I'm on week five. And, and he says that. And every time I'm like, man, I don't want to hear it at all, but I need to hear it. That's what I think every single time. And here's the reason I share that story with you is one, so that you can hold me accountable and be like, hey Matt, how's, how's your workouts with Sean T going? Cause I'm gonna need it. But then two is because Sean T just tells you like it is. Like he's not on there like, come on guys, if you need a quick break, just stop. No, he's like, no, keep going, push yourself, go further. If you think you can do one more, do three. That's like his favorite line, which I'm like, that doesn't make sense though, bro. I can't do one more. How am I gonna do three? Um, but Sean T just says it like it is. And James, I think, is a lot like Sean T. I don't know if he looks like Sean T. I don't know if he has ripped abs like that. He might have. But James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, same mom, different dad, James says it like it is. He tells you what maybe you don't want to hear, but you know you, you need to hear. And so we're going to dive right in. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. And James says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So James says, hey, consider it pure joy. And immediately I'm like, yo, yo, consider it pure joy when I face trials. 
Like for me, it's the opposite. I don't know about you, but when I'm facing trials, I usually don't consider it pure joy. No, it's the opposite. I consider it pure joy when I avoid a trial. I consider it pure joy when I get through or overcome a trial in my life. But James says, hey, no, no, no. In the face of a trial, consider it pure joy. But not only that, he says trials of of many kinds. Like he's referring to all different types of trials, not just one isolated type of trial. He's saying, hey, when you face financial troubles, consider it pure joy. When you get report of a, a tough health report, a tragedy in your life, consider it pure joy. When, when loneliness comes, consider it pure joy. When you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're super upset, consider it pure joy. Now, why would, would he say that? I think it's important to know that the reason James says that is not because he just wants you to be happy all the time. Like, I think it's so important if we're gonna understand why James is saying this, we need to first understand what James is not saying. James is not just saying, just be happy. Man, there are so many Christians who live life that way that I just need to be happy all the time. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I'm walking through, no matter how bad the trial may feel, how hard this season of life might be, I'm just gonna smile and show up to church on Sundays or Monday nights, and I'm just gonna be like, man, everything's great. That's not what James is suggesting or asking you to do. In fact, it's the opposite. That is not the life that God has called you to live. That's an inauthentic life. And James is saying, no, 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 I'm not asking you to just be happy. Notice James didn't say consider it pure happiness. He said consider it pure joy because joy is not the same as happiness. There's a really clear difference between the two. Happiness describes an emotion. An emotion, come on, you know this. Emotions are constantly changing. Like they're shifting all the time. Emotions are easily swayed. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, easily swayed. You, you could wake up tomorrow morning and it could be cold out or you could see that it's like not even gonna touch the 40s and you'd be like, oh, I'm just, I'm mad, I'm sad, you know? Or you could wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, the sun's out, I'm happy. Like emotions, they just, they, they come and go. But joy is different. Joy describes a state of being regardless of your emotion. See, we have permission to feel however we need to feel about trials and difficult circumstances in our life. And we can tell God about it too. Like we don't have to hide it from God. God can handle it. In fact, God already knows what you're feeling before you let him know that this is what you're feeling. But joy is is rooted in what we think about God rather than what we feel about our circumstances. See, joy is, is not saying that you have to feel a certain way. Joy is saying, no, no, no. Here's what I know to be true about God. Here's what I believe. Here's what I think. And it's why James is so specific in his language and his wording. He, he uses the word consider. Even that word consider doesn't mean that this is how you need to feel, but it describes how you should think. He said, hey, just consider this. Just, just ponder on this. Just maybe consider thinking this way. Now, now why? Why would we count it all joy? Well, because of verse three, we just read it, but now we'll highlight it. (laughs) Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
James is saying, hey, trials will produce something in your life. Trials are going to test your faith. And, and not testing in the sense of like right or wrong. Like, did you get an A or, or a B? No, no, not in that type of way. But testing your faith in the way of, hey, is your faith authentic or counterfeit? Is your faith real or fake? It's, it's like gold. I don't have a whole lot of experience with gold. But recently someone told me that if you take gold and you put it to the test, like you put it under heat, you put it under, under fire, that true gold, real gold, authentic gold will actually just become brighter and brighter, which is crazy to me. I, I wish I had some gold laying around my house and I could like prove this to you, but YouTube will have to suffice. But, but fake gold or otherwise known as, as fool's gold, or I believe pyrite, could be wrong on that, but I think that's what it's also called. But fake gold, if you put it under test, if you put it to the fire, it will begin to crack, it will begin to break, and eventually it will start to look like charcoal. It doesn't last. And can I just tell you this, hear me on this. Your life, throw this up there on the screen if you can, your, your faith, rather, will not be determined when everything goes according to plan, but when things begin to fall apart. Trials reveal who or what we trust most. And for many of us, we have a faith that, that sounds great. And what I mean by that is like, we know the right things to say. We know all the answers. Maybe we have a bunch of scriptures memorized, which is great. But when it comes time to walk it out, to walk it like we talk it, something doesn't align. When, when things get hard and when things begin to fall apart, we start to re learn, man, where, where's my faith? Something's not matching up here. I know the right things to say, but I just can't seem to, to line it up. I can't seem to live it out. And so, Tila, I want to ask you a really honest question. My question is this, is does your life align with what you say you believe? Does your life align at all with what you say you believe. Now, 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 your answer is one thing. What if, what if, just go with me for a minute. What if I were to like bring your, some of your closest friends in the room? What if I were to bring your coworkers into the room or your classmates into the room or your family members into the room? And what if I were to ask them that question? Hey, do you feel like their life lines up at all? at all with what they say they believe, what would they say? Another way to ask it is, do you, do you walk it like you talk it? Do you walk it like you talk it? And if the answer is, is yes, I think so, then great, stay on that path. If the answer is like, I, I'm not sure, then look, I'm not condemning you, I'm not shaming you, I get it. For me, at times, I, I think I would be like, I, I don't know. Maybe not. And that's okay, but as we grow in our faith, as we grow closer to Jesus, eventually as we journey down that path, our life should begin to line up with what we say we believe. And if you're saying, hey, I'm going this way, but your actions and the life that you're living are going a completely opposite direction, then you may need to figure some things out. You may need to sit down and look yourself in the mirror and have a really honest conversation between you and God. It's time for us to walk it like we talk it. The testing of your faith 
produces perseverance in your life. It gives you the ability to endure through difficult and tough times. So, so far we've talked about how we should consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because they will test our faith and we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And then we come full circle here in verse four. Check this out, verse four. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And what James is saying here is that there is purpose in the pain, that if we persevere, if we don't give up, if we endure, if we keep going, then God will use the trial as a tool to grow you and mature you, to ultimately help you become more like Jesus. And here's what you have to know. God doesn't promise that we won't walk through pain, but God does promise to make our pain matter. God doesn't promise us a pain-free life. He never said, hey, in this life, you're not gonna go through trouble. In fact, he said the opposite. You can look at it in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you're gonna go through hardship. You're gonna walk through some tough times. You're gonna experience trials. But God does promise that if we trust him and if we persevere and don't give up, that he will use our pain in a way that we maybe couldn't even imagine. And I don't know how that's gonna look. He, he might use your pain to, to grow you, to develop your character. He might use your pain to help out someone else because eventually down the road, your friend or someone close to you is gonna be walking through something that you're walking through right now. And because this is a part of your story, you're gonna be able to help them in an amazing way. I don't know how God will use it, but what I do know is that God promises to make our pain matter if we persevere and allow him to do what only he can. It's like this, I played basketball in high school, right? And um, this just came to me as I was thinking about these verses, James chapter one, verse two through four. And I was thinking, man, in high school, like when I would be at the free throw line, right? And like the gym would be um, loud or whatever, it'd be fourth quarter and the game would be close. And um, I'd get up to the line and be like, oh, you're down one, you know, you're shooting two at the line, whistle blows, ref throws you the ball. And you know, you always got that guy like behind the hoop who's like going crazy, like he's pulling his shirt up, you know, and he's like, or doing some crazy thing. Like they're trying to distract you, get you to miss the free throw. The gym's loud, you know, like everyone's like, miss, 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 like blowing off like air horns. And then the principal's like, you're not supposed to bring an air horn into here. And you're like, and, you know, like that whole thing happens. Maybe this was just my high school experience. I don't know. But then what my coach would tell me all the time is, hey, when you get the ball, just step back. Just step back and for a second, just, just take a deep breath. Maybe look down for a minute and then look up and like dribble the ball, do your normal routine, and then just focus and shoot. That's what he would tell me to do. And there's, there's no magic in that. Like usually, can I be honest, when I would do that, when I would step back, and focus and take a deep breath and then look up and go through my routine. Usually the gym got louder because now the fans were like, oh, he's nervous, he's gonna miss, choke, you know? Usually now the guy behind the hoop, he was going like 10 times crazier now. Like he's now like, oh, you know, doing something wild. Like that's what he's doing. I'm picturing it right now, that's why I'm laughing. But, but the reason my coach would tell me to do that is because when I would step back for just a moment and when I for just a moment would take a deep breath and try to just clear my mind, it would help me to reframe the moment. 
to reframe what I'm seeing, to give me a different perspective, to just remind me, Matt, you've done this a thousand times. You can make this shot, regardless of all the craziness that's going on around you, regardless of how you feel. And here's what I learned from that moment. As I was thinking about this talk, it just came to me, boom, hey, Sometimes when you're walking through trials in life, you have to learn how to reframe what you can't control. Sometimes we're just gonna have to just step back for a second, take a deep breath, pause just for a moment, maybe look down, maybe look around us, and then step back up and say, I can do this. Sometimes that's gonna look like you stepping back and asking questions, saying, God, what do you wanna teach me in this? Sometimes I remember in basketball, I'd look over and I'd see my teammates and they'd be like, hey, you got this, come on, you can do this. I'd see my coach and he would just be over there calm. I'm like, he, he's not worried, I'll be good. Sometimes in your life, you're gonna step back and you're gonna look around and you're gonna see people, community, who's there with you. This is why we push small groups so hard here at the living room because you could come in on a Monday night or throughout the week, you could send a, the text in the group me and be like, hey guys, I'm going through this right now, it's hard. And they could say, hey, we're here for you. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna get through this. And it could be like the confidence you need to step back up to the line and, and just get through it, do what you need to do, be successful. Sometimes you just have to reframe what you can't control. James, later on in the chapter, verse 12, chapter one, he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James says, listen, for the person who perseveres while under trial, for the person who perseveres through difficult circumstances, guess what? Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That if you love Jesus and if you persevere through trials, that there is something waiting for you. It's going to be worth it. I'm about to close, I promise. I have one closing story and then we're done. And it's a story about my daughter, Willow. Some of you are like, yo, uh, when are you not gonna preach without telling a story about Willow? And I don't know, eventually I will, but tonight's not that night because um, I'm about to close with the story about Willow. But last week when I told a story about Willow, um, some of you in the chat were like, hey, bro, how are you gonna tell a story about Willow and not show a picture? You know, like you were, you were actually mad, I think. And so this, this picture has nothing to do with the story, but here's a picture of my daughter, Willow. That's a recent picture from this weekend, a walk at Chastain Park, Willow, Honestly, looking fresh in her Jordan ones that I'm super jealous of. She's killing it. We can, that's, that's just an updated picture. So all you in the chat who are getting ready to be like, where's the pic? There's the pic. Okay, but back to the story. Okay, Willow's in the season right now. She's almost two and a half. She's in the season of life where she's got one thing right now that she loves maybe more than anything. Probably loves this one thing more than me, more than her mom, probably even more than God and it's her baby doll. She loves this baby doll. I was gonna bring it out so I could show you it, but I'm telling you, that would have been a huge risk. Like, and my wife at home during bedtime, she would have been like, Matt, you should have never taken the baby doll because Willow would have probably lost her mind. And here's what happens oftentimes is that Willow thinks she lost her baby doll. Like, she's like, oh, I don't know where it is, and she hasn't actually lost it. She's just misplaced it, and she starts to be like, where, where baby go? Where, where, where my baby doll go? 
And I'm like, I, I don't know, mom, mom, and where's the baby? Where is baby? You know, and then eventually we're like, yo, where's baby? Where's the baby? Baby, die. I'm like, baby, baby, where, baby, baby, where are you at? Where are you at, baby? You know, and I'm like, and, and so what I usually do, seriously, this is it's not a joke, I'm not making this up, is eventually I say, all right, let's just, let's, let's think about this. Let's, let's stop for a moment. Let's, let's, let's just think, where have we been? We just got back from Chick-fil-A. Okay, cool. She had the baby down in the car. I know that for a fact. That's what kept her quiet while we were going through the drive-through line. Okay, we got out of the car. I remember her having the baby. I remember like giving her the baby. And then when we walked inside, she probably went to her playroom and then she probably walked to our room and then she probably came to the kitchen. So let's just start to retrace our steps. Let's just start to think about this. Let's walk to the car. Let's walk the path from the car to our front door. Let's go to the playroom. Let's go to our room. Let's go to the kitchen. And eventually, guess what? We somehow find the baby and it's this amazing moment. And Willow's like, baby, she starts giving the baby a million kisses and suffocating this baby. Like, it's, 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 it's pretty wild but awesome to witness. And here's what I'm trying to get at is that for some of you, in this season of your life, potentially, you maybe feel like you've lost something significant. Maybe you feel like you've lost hope, you've lost joy, you've lost your peace, you've lost your trust. Maybe you feel like you've lost your faith. And you don't know what to do or where to go to find it. And I just want to encourage you tonight to, for a moment, just stop and pause and just to begin to retrace your steps and to say, okay, let me think about this. A year and a half ago when I was walking through that trial, I got through that. Man, it was hard, but I got through it. Maybe you're not even attributing that to God. I don't know. What we all can agree on is whether you're a Jesus follower or not, we're all gonna go through hard times in life. And then man, six months ago, I was walking through this and it was, it was even harder, but I got through that. I'm still breathing. Here I am right now, I'm still alive. And right now, maybe you're going through something really, really hard, but as you retrace your steps, you can say, hey, you know what? I think I, I, think I found it. I think I remember that if God was faithful here, he'll be faithful again here. In fact, the scriptures say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is really good news because it means that, hey, if he was faithful before, he'll be faithful again. And that doesn't mean that your situation is gonna work out perfectly just the way you want it to. But what it does mean is that if you don't give up, if that if you endure and you keep going and you persevere, then guess what? You're going to get through this. And while your pain is still going to hurt, there is going to be a purpose to your pain. Jesus has what you're looking for. He has hope, he has joy, he has peace, he has uh, the trust you're looking for. You can trust him no matter what you're going through. He is the one that you're looking for. And Jesus endured the ultimate trial on the cross. He bore our sins so that we wouldn't have to. And so tonight as we close, I just wanna give an invitation for someone who's maybe listening right now and you're like, I've never heard that before. That's the greatest news ever, and it is. It's the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of humanity, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose 
from the grave. He rose victorious over sin. And so now, no matter what trial we walk through in life, we can trust that Jesus is greater than the trial. That even if it feels like in this life we are losing, that Jesus can give us the victory if we put our faith and trust in him. So maybe there's someone tuning in right now and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. I wanna give you the opportunity right now for the very first time to do just that. And I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer, there's nothing special about it. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer just solidifies what God is doing on the inside of your heart right now. So just pray, Heavenly Father. I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And tonight, I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in Jesus's death and resurrection. And I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward the best way that I know how. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.